You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. Thank you guys so much for taking a little bit of time to uh, listen to the mailbag edition of this show. We do it every Monday. And plenty of questions to answer. And here to do it are my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. Hello, my friend. Happy draft week. Oh, it's finally here. We we have draft week. I can't wait to stay up until 11.58 p.m. on Thursday to watch the Chiefs. Oh, wait. They don't pick on Thursday. Now I get to go into the entire night with the expectation of not waiting for the pick just to have my heart ripped out as they traded away. This is glorious. I am excited for the draft. The Renaissance man is here. He is also excited for the draft. Craig, tell everybody who the Chiefs are picking in round two right now. Go. Uh, Joe Tryon. No, I don't know. Joe Tryon's not going to be around. I, I don't know why he even said that. <laughs> Maddie put me on the spot. We have a question. No, I, we have a Joe Tryon question here in a little okay, bit. Okay, well, good. We'll get to that. But, I mean, I I am very excited that the Chiefs have made the moves that they have when they have that allows us to spend this week talking about some of the round two options, which, luckily for us, we, we are deep in the draft. We're not just round one, guys. We're looking at a lot of this other stuff. So, it's going to be nice to kind of put a focus on those things and find out where the Chiefs can go. It's also going to be nice that I don't have to like do something major on Thursday and we can just throw all of our time and energy into Friday and making Friday the best coverage that we can. So that, that'll be awesome. Oh, I'm still enjoying some ribs. I'm still making ribs and Jake's still coming over and hanging out on Thursday. Oh, sure. Yeah, no, we just get to enjoy round one of the draft. We get to make fun of the Raiders and not have to worry about the Chiefs letting us down later on in the evening. It's and gonna then be great. Micah Parsons is available at 31 and oh, we don't are you, big don't sad. Don't you do this. <laughs> Uh, so we teased some big news on Twitter and we're just going to do it before we get into this mailbag. Uh, Craig, Matt and I are leaving Arrowhead Pride. We will be leaving Arrowhead Pride after the draft. We have got about a week left here. Um, not going to talk about where we're going out of respect for this tremendous, wonderful place that we've been lucky to be a part of for for me three years maddie three years close somewhere or i think i've been here for four years actually uh craig uh before the internet uh writing on stone tablets uh, i this is this has been really i i'm this has been a really hard uh week for me personally uh saying goodbye is not something i'm good at uh i have always wanted to be part of the conversation about my favorite football team and Joel Thorman gave me that chance 
pulled me out of the fan posts four years ago and it's been an unreal experience ever since and getting to do this with i mean this sincerely getting to do this with craig and matt has been one of the coolest things i've got to do in my life earmuffs maddie um sorry it, what should i be listening to what you're saying <laughs> but uh well, you too yeah, buddy yeah man this is uh just so much gratitude and appreciation for this place um the hardest things leaving pete genuinely uh one of my dear friends who has given me every opportunity to to grow and build this thing he let me do a draft podcast even though the podcast sample i gave him was horrendous um he dragged me along on 610 and let me do pre and post game shows that's the hardest part for me uh, among 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 several things uh, arrowhead pride's a special place it's always going to be bigger than anyone who is lucky enough to have a byline there and that's what makes it so special i just want to say thank you for giving me this opportunity everyone who's listened read who's bought the casey draft guide you guys all it, it means the world uh and uh yeah uh thank you maddie we're gonna let you go your turn <laughs> well i mean for me i I have to start out. I want to. I do want to say thank you to Pete. Thank you to Joel. Thank you to Kent because Kent's really kind of how I even got the opportunity to work at Arrowhead Pride to write for them. It was kind of his idea that got run up the ladder, and then Pete, Joel, these guys decided to give you know myself an opportunity to write there. A guy that has not really had any writing experience before this, as some of you may be able to tell, as you call out my spelling errors in the comment section. Love you guys too. You guys have made me better. But like I'm, I am not a writer. I am a guy that has a lot of thoughts on football, and I've gotten the opportunity to share them with everybody. And I appreciate you guys so much reading them. But like more so than thanking Kent and Joel and Pete, I want to thank everybody that's part of Arrowhead Pride's community. Because without you guys, I wouldn't have been there at all. If I didn't have so much fun getting to talk to you guys before writing for Arrowhead Pride, I was like, I was a commenter. I was just in the comment section practically as long as Craig's been writing there from his stone <laughs> tablet on I have been lurking in the Arrowhead Pride comment section I eventually made an account started to converse with you guys get to know some of you and if it wasn't for that fact if it wasn't for the you know community feel that you guys brought to it I wouldn't have continued to do it to get to the point to where I could actually put my thoughts about football about the Chiefs into writing for anybody who wants to to come read them so I just thank you guys for being you thank you for making the best chiefs community out there thank you for supporting us allowing us to even attempt to make a draft guide that we would just be yelling about into the void if it wasn't for you guys <laughs> wanting to listen thank you for making this the best chiefs podcast around the most fun we have just as much fun doing this as you guys do listening i can ensure you that so thank you for that we could not be doing any of this without you guys we love you all we like Kent said he hates saying goodbye that's the worst part so it'll just be see you later yeah um it's always been wild to me that anybody cared what I had to say about the Chiefs whether or not you you hated what I had to say about the Chiefs or you liked <laughs> what I had to say about the Chiefs it's always been wild and then to get to do this for as long as I have and to have people that think of me when things happen like when the Orlando Brown trade happens, all of a sudden you're coming into us and you're asking us, what What are your opinions? I want to know your opinions. For allowing us to be part of your Chiefs fandom, 
that that's something that is still mind blowing to me after doing it all this time. The fact that you have allowed the three of us to come in and and share part of what you're sharing in this team is it's not a small thing. It is immense. So thank you so much for following and supporting everything we do. I want to thank Joel Thorman, Chris Thorman, shout out to him. You know, he, he was still on board when I started writing on those stone tablets, arguably <laughs> my best work because it was hard to find. All downhill, all downhill from there, buddy. All downhill from the beginning. Uh, all downhill from Clancy Pendergast. Um, I want to thank Pete. Uh, Pete has allowed me to grow as a writer, as somebody speaking on a microphone. A lot of people don't know this, but... I had terrible anxiety about speaking about football and being able to do it and him allowing me to do radio hits to be a part of this podcast has been something that's allowed me to continue to grow and get slowly better at this over time. So I really appreciate the opportunities that we have been given. Like Kent said, uh, Arrowhead Pride is bigger than any one person that's on there. Um, y'all are going to forget about us here in about three months because there's going to be another group of people that's going to be amazing at Arrowhead Pride and you're not going to be sitting there going, oh, well, I wish that I knew about this. We're also not going away. We'll be around, so we'll catch you later. But I do want to say that some of my very favorite people that I have met in my life, I met through Arrowhead Pride, present company, included here so this website has given me more than just the ability to talk football more than just the ability to talk about it with multiple people and to have part of their fandom it's giving me some really really close friends and people that i consider some of my closest friends in my life so i i just want to thank this whole opportunity for allowing these people into my life man <laughs> why am i emotional yeah, I why did you have to do that to me craig yeah i mean we've shared i mean we've shared a lot the last three years guys um a lot yeah i'm super grateful to be uh god i'm really grateful to be working with these guys <laughs> and this is perfect maddie's maddie's just chilling on his phone <laughs> sitting back and it's so great and i love it it's because that's maddie and that's yeah um <laughs> So good. He's thinking about it's your so terrible great. food takes and how we used to talk about them all the time. I love and, it. Yeah, I was I thinking it. about sharing rooms in Mobile when you said sharing, you know, things <laughs> with each other. That's uh, okay. Um, yeah, we'll. Uh, I'm, we're not. I won't talk about what's going on next. We're still talking Chiefs, though. We're not going anywhere there in that regard. So yeah, we're carrying you through the draft, guys. Uh, you, you ain't getting rid of yeah. us. We're we're going to carry you through the draft. Let's do a let's do a mailbag. Let's answer the questions. How about that? Let's start talking Let's football. APNerdSquad at gmail.com. The Swede emailed in. Ans- answer truthfully on or off the air. Were you disappointed after the recent trade that after all your hard work with the draft guide, the Chiefs won't have a first round pick? Even if they trade the two second rounders, they still won't get to 32 probably. Yes, I'm not disappointed at all. Uh, this is the second time in the three years that the KC draft guide has been released that this has happened where the Chiefs have a first round pick when the guide releases and then it's gone by the time the draft gets here. Uh, (laughs) 
So no, I it, hey look, y'all already bought it. So no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we we love all the fans. Also, y'all already bought no, it. So that's yeah, that's what you take away right. from the first I mean, eleven minutes out. of this. No, yeah. Uh, look, I think it actually personally for me, I think the I think that gets a little bit more interesting. I think it makes the whole process a little bit more interesting because now you got to dig a little bit deeper on the guys that are going to be available to the Chiefs. Uh, you know, everyone spent a lot of time hitting home the first pick, you know, and I, I, you know, I get it and and understandably. So you should be talking a lot about 31, but now we can move on and we've got write-ups most likely on the 58th pick. We got write-ups most likely on the 63rd pick and hopefully write-ups on like pick 144 and 207. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, as the guy who writes about cornerbacks and linebackers, most of my guys are after 58 and on anyway. So I don't really have to pay too much That's attention. That's just because to, you dislike every player that exists. You're absolutely correct. And so anyway, no, I, I love day two of the draft. That's my favorite part of this. Yet yeah, day one is fun. You're going to get that immediate impact. It's it's where you get your biggest potential guy out of that draft. It really is. But everybody covers that to death. I mean, when you talk about, you know, mock drafts and stuff like that, the guys on the national media are only talking round one mock drafts and it's basically just that for most of the time that it's being covered. I love to live in that day two period you know you're gonna get contributors now they may not be your one contributors but you're going to find your Juan Thornhills you're going to find your Willie Gay Juniors you're going to be able to try and get these guys and develop them into high-end starters and those are the ones schematically that I'm most interested in because those are the swings you're taking those are the guys that you're trying to maybe shift and mold your defense trying to catch some value there so I I actually really love this um, I, I also really love the fact that the Chiefs have Orlando Brown Jr. on their roster, and that's better than any you know offensive tackle that they were getting at 31. So I'm more than willing to sacrifice a little bit of extra work that we put into the Casey draft guide in round one for a top-tier left tackle to protect Mahomes because I do love the rest of the draft. Listen, I'll be direct here. The first round of the draft's the best part. It's the most fun. That's the best players. The best <laughs> players go off the board in the first round, hence why it's called the first round and not the runner-up round. Like it's where the DK Metcalf go. It's <laughs> later than the Chiefs draft and McCole Hardman. Do you want to go down this road? Oh, we no, have no, that no, question no. too. Oh, do we? Okay. So anyway, no, I like the first round of the draft. I like the second round of the draft. I like day three of the draft. So, you know, I'm good either way. But I will say on Thursday night, it's it is a little sad, and it has nothing to do with the draft guide to know that Chiefs aren't going to make a pick on Thursday night, or they most likely won't make a pick. I have to watch the whole thing to make sure they don't, because I definitely wouldn't watch it regardless. But I mean, now you just get to sit there. Like Craig said at the beginning, you get to enjoy the draft a little bit more. You don't have to be nervous, constantly debating if the Chiefs should make a move here, who might fall to the Chiefs, because you have a whole day to get past that. But I would be lying through my teeth if I did not say I'm a little disappointed to not have a chance to pick in the first 32 picks and see who would be available. But as Craig summed it up, we also now have a very young, very good player in place of that pick. So I will get over it like come Friday morning when it's no longer Thursday in the first round of the draft. You can go to gum.co slash Guide 21 promo code DRAFTMAS to uh, have... 225 
write-ups uh, on prospects and how they fit the Chiefs. Features about Andy Reid arm tackle length. We can find out if Orlando Brown meets the arm length requirements of the Chiefs. Uh, and more for $7.99 with promo code DRAFTMIS. Uh, I, actually, I'm, I'm very curious if Orlando Brown does. Did the Chiefs require all their offensive tackles to have longer than 35-inch arms? Uh, well, you can read the guide, Craig, and find out. Just saying. Maybe I'll have to go and pick it up. Maybe, yeah. Maybe you maybe you will finally read something I wrote for once. <laughs> Joe reaches out, uh, asks a couple questions. Is Lucas Niang really a reason not to draft an offensive tackle at 58? What if Jalen Mayfield is at 58, for instance? Uh, is he a possible right tackle of the future and possibly an amazing right guard? Do you pull the trigger? So I don't think Lucas Niang is a reason to not be looking at offensive tackle anymore in round two or round three. I think we all can rewind a little bit to last year after the Chiefs drafted Lucas Niang, and there was a lot of talk from Brett Veach, from different people about him potentially playing offensive guard. It was a hot topic for us because none of us thought that he should. We all liked him at tackle, and I still think he should get a shot at tackle, but the Chiefs have got eyes on him. If they have decided that they would like him more at guard, and that's what they want to do, go for it. You want to draft a Walker Little you want to draft it for some reason, Alex Leatherwood or Jackson Carmen in round two because they're still available and just figure out who's better at tackle and who's better at guard between Lucas Niang and these guys. By all means, have at it. You can't have too many tackles, I think we saw last year, especially when there's the ability to kick them inside if someone feels comfortable with it. Now, would Jalen Mayfield be the ideal fit for the Chiefs? Uh, probably not. Speaking of the arm link thing, you know, you might have to go read about it, but I'm just going to drop one little hint. Jalen Mayfield falls away below the arm length uh, preferred for offensive tackles for the Kansas City Chiefs. So he would likely be a guard. And if you are just drafting a guard, I would hope to not do it at round two when you have so many other holes. Uh, he also asks, also, uh, is Boogie Basham, yes, me specifically, is Boogie Basham my new draft crush at 58? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know this, this is like, again, like we talk about this a lot all the time on this show. It's all about expectations and setting expectations. And, um, it, you know, just because we dislike a player at 31, doesn't mean we dislike a player. Boogie Basham, what he did at the senior bowl with his, you know, ability inside the versatility he shows. I actually like to pick at 58. <laughs> you love it. You love it. Can I ask Kent a question? If it wasn't for this past like two week period where you were coming around that Boogie Basham might be a first round pick, would you still love him in the second round? Yes. Okay. I was too harsh on him early and I admitted that probably a month ago, especially after watching what he did in the senior bowl and acknowledging admitting and, and with the athletic profile, this is not something that just came because like I'm thinking he's there at 29. It's legitimately, I believe in this guy's ability a little bit more. And I think the value at 58 is a lot better than the value at 31. Uh, and he makes, I mean, I've never did. I've never not acknowledged that he makes a ton of sense from a scheme perspective, ton of sense. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, I, huh. there I, at the idea of him at 29 on almost 24 year old prospects. And, you know, he's not, he's a stiff linear pass rusher. I don't know. All right, time to jump into the Twitter questions. And let me just say, this is the reason why I've loved doing this show for the last three years. Uh, Shigabanti, hey guys, number one Chiefs fan from Nigeria. Awesome. Gosh, come on. 
I just it never it never gets old, man. Like I just I love that this show is connected people, you know. At God, okay. So with limited picks in the draft, which position do you think we should attack with our top pick? I I think that Brett Veach has given himself the luxury of not having to target a specific position. But if you are going to try and isolate one singular position, I'm going edge. Because I do think that there are a lot of questions about how many round one edges are going to go. Like we talked about it in the best case scenario last week about how there are situations where there may only be two or three edges that get drafted. I can also see six or seven edges get drafted in round one. So there's there's a potential situation where one of these guys that is a fringe round one guy that's an edge rusher could fall who, you know, around the mid-50s and all that, making for a small trade-up or something of that nature. So I would really like the Chiefs to play in the edge market there, try and catch some value with some of these guys that are going to fall since everybody's around the same tier. So that would be the singular position if I had to pick one that I would really target. I would be a little surprised if the Chiefs made it out of day two without drafting an edge. I think we've kind of set it all off season, but I want to reiterate it now because now that the tackle situation has kind of been addressed, defensive end is just as big of a hole as offensive tackle. Just the position didn't show up quite as bad in the Super Bowl because when a bad defensive end plays, your quarterback doesn't have his neck bent backwards. So like it's just as big of a hole on the team as that defensive end two spot. It's just it doesn't directly impact your entire franchise's health. So I think it's flown under the radar, but the Chiefs, desperately need somebody else to play defensive end across from Frank Clark. And if they can't get a more consistent Frank Clark, they need somebody to eventually take over as the number one defensive end. It's like, this is a position that has to be addressed in the top 100 picks. So you don't believe that Chris Jones is going to be the defensive end opposite of Frank Clark. (laughs) Yes, I know that's only on base downs. I, I know that it's only on base downs. I think Chris Jones will see some reps there. I think from the little we have seen from Chris Jones there, it has not been good enough for me to feel great that the position has been solved. Now, maybe having more time to practice out there, maybe more time to work on his technique, it will get better. But when I see Chris Jones play defensive end, I don't see a guy that moves like a defensive end. His athleticism is a problem on the interior. On the outside, he's just kind of limited to a pure power guy, and good tackles will eat that up as soon as they start to figure it out. Shigabanti, hit me up again, and I'll hook you up with the free KC draft guide. Uh, Just just reach out. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more of your questions right after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, continue to answer your questions, and we're on the Twitter questions. And Brandon422 asks, if you had to choose between the Trent Williams deal or the Orlando Brown deal, which would you choose, Matthew? I mean, I'm taking the Trent Williams deal because I get to not only keep my draft picks, I still get a pick in the best part of the draft, the first round. I also know what Trent Williams would provide. I have a really, really good idea what Trent Williams would provide at left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs in their scheme. Orlando Browns is going to be a little bit more of a projection because he hasn't done it. I understand the player is a better for the is a better position for the long term. It puts the left tackle in a better spot. You aren't paying him near as much money for the next couple of years, but I do think Trent Williams is that good and that much of a known commodity that I would have taken the Trent Williams plus the draft picks deal. Andrew Nagel too. Where would Casey be able to draft Buddy Johnson? That's the linebacker out of Texas A&M. He seems like good value and a better fit over Jabril Cox. Oh, man, for Spags? Yeah, probably, unfortunately. I I did kind of scroll ahead, and we've got some questions about coverage linebacker. So we'll hit Jabril Cox a little bit later. So Buddy Johnson is a, a heavy, run-stopping, smart interior linebacker so he makes a lot of sense for what steve spagnolo has typically done there i i could see him as a good backup to anthony hitchens and the eventual successor i am a buddy johnson fan and i was probably a little higher on on him than some guys before he even tested and then he tested through the roof so i i do think that some of that shows up on film some of it doesn't. I know Maddie is a big fan of Buddy Johnson as well. I think that you're probably still looking at like really late day two, early day three for Buddy Johnson, even with all that testing, just because his coverage ability, it's just, it's not great. And he doesn't have a ton of experience. You're going to have to teach him a whole lot of stuff, but it's a worth worthwhile gamble for a guy like that because in the run game and playing between the tackles, he is ridiculously good as a linebacker. So I I would not be surprised at all if the Chiefs decided that Buddy Johnson was their guy like in round four. At draft trenches, what chance do you think Joe Tryon has of still being on the board when the Chiefs pick? We had him in the KC draft guide, I believe 30-ish, somewhere in that range. Uh, I will say this. I have, I feel better about that being a possibility than I did 24 hours ago um, as stuff is getting out there, um, as conversations are being had. I feel a little better about his chances of being there uh, than I did. So, Maddie, you can talk a little bit about him, though, and why he would be a perfect fit in Kansas City. I know we talked a little bit about him. Just give a quick elevator speech again. 
I don't feel good that he'll be there. But if he was, he would be a great pick for the Chiefs because he is one of the rare physical profiles that not only comes very close to fitting all of Steve Spagnuolo's preferences, but it brings a certain level of athleticism and pass rush upside off the edge. The Chiefs had don't really have outside of Frank Clark. He's explosive. He's powerful. Yeah, he's not the bendiest guy, but he does have the ability to change levels and turn the corner. He just needs a lot of technical work. And once he gets there, I mean, he's got that physical profile that would translate to success on the football field as long as you refine his technique. You get him in the lab with Frank Clark, Mike Dana, two guys that are excellent with their hands. I do think that he would have a lot of success in the NFL. I'm feeling a little bit better about a Joe Tryon being being there. Just saying. Just Day RK29, our defensive end and wide receiver, the spots that likely have the biggest drop off for a starting caliber player after the Chiefs' first two picks. As we saw last year, cornerback is a spot they can and have invested later round picks at. Linebacker seems unlikely as they just drafted Willie Gay Jr. at 63 last year. I do think that that's the case. I, I would throw in interior offensive line to that group just because it's going to be such a big gap as it stands right now until the Chiefs get to that comp fourth pick. Those two positions typically have the guys that are athletic enough and technical enough to go off the board within day two. So you're going to see a lot of those guys go off the board in round three that could be potential starters. I would argue that cornerback also falls under that, but I think by the time it gets to 58, that there's probably not going to be you know a typical boundary cornerback that you're going to be able to find. And so, yeah, with that in mind, if you're taking a slot guy, there might be a slot guy that can start and play for Steve Spagnuolo in round four. So, yeah, those are the guys for me. A week out. Listening, keep my ears to the ground. DN wide receiver would be where I would bet right now. I'll just say that. Um, that's my feeling today. Captain Denny. Last year, Turk Wharton was an impact player as an undrafted free agent. Uh, and Tommy Townsend is quarterback three. <laughs> what position group is most likely to be impacted by an undrafted free agent? I really like this question. Oh, it's interior offensive line, and it's always and forever interior offensive line because you get the most built-in help, not only because there's guys surrounding you on both sides, you are often aligned in a position where you are not dealing with direct one-on-ones. Even just your position on the field in terms of space is limited. You have the most guaranteed help at all times as an interior offensive lineman. It's why I don't believe you draft them early. You can get quality guys all the way through the draft, you can get quality guys as undrafted for agents relatively frequently. I will say that this year's really bizarre from that point. This is the lowest or the smallest draft pool in a long time. And so there's just the the guys that are there are still going to be there. You know, you're still only drafting a certain number of guys in the seven rounds. But I do think that the UDFA pool is going to be competitive. And I don't know if the Chiefs are going to be able to get a guy like Turk Orton that can come in and immediately have an impact. Even Tommy Townsend. I, I just don't know that you're going to see any position that, that you're going to be able to find it just because the depth that this draft is so thin. What if Nick Neiman goes undrafted? Are we putting Ben's brain in his body? <laughs> How about, here's the one I think is a dark horse wide receiver. Um, you know, you can get a guy at the, I'm not saying like, I mean, as far as an impact to, to, to a Turk Wharton level, I'm not sure you're going to get that, 
but maybe some special teams value, maybe a Maurice French. I'm sorry, Maurice French. For French. Uh, maybe he's a guy, you know, some special teams value there. Um, he's one of the, you know, there's a lot of undrafted wide receivers that the Chiefs ran through last year. Uh, so this is kind of a mad answer because it's an undrafted from last day, last year. But I think a guy to keep on is keep an eye on is is Maurice French from last year uh, as an undrafted free agent. Gregory Matt. We're cheating Darius Harris. Oh, there you go. He played last year, though. Gregory Mack, with the value of our own uh, of our two second rounders, do you see a possibility of Casey trading them both for someone second and third, say Arizona at forty nine and seventy nine, for example, to get someone falling that they like? Um, I think that's a realistic scenario. The Chiefs have done something similar in the past. Uh, Brett Veach's first move in the draft as an NFL GM was actually doing that. He split draft picks. He traded up and back with Cincinnati uh, to go up and get Breland Speaks and ultimately acquired Dorian O'Daniel. Hopefully, this one goes better than that one. Um, but that is something that the Chiefs have done in the past. I think that's more likely than, than trading back and out of the second round with one of those picks. Uh, just because I was looking at it earlier today, guys. Seattle's first pick is right before the Chiefs. The Rams' first pick in the draft, right before the Chiefs. That sounds like a seller's market to me, especially the Seahawks only have three picks. Tell me I'm crazy. I don't think they're going to be able to trade out of one of those picks, Matty. Yeah, and that's going to be the trick. I think we've talked about it a lot when the Chiefs were picking at 31. There has to be a reason for a team to want to come up. There has to be a buyer that is looking to go there. And as you're pointing out here, there is teams right before the Chiefs that are probably going to be just as big, if not bigger sellers than the Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs, one thing they can do, they can let it ride a little bit, you know, being the last team out of the group. Maybe teams are willing to call the bluff. Maybe they are willing to trade with the Chiefs instead. Let's see if their guy slides down a few more spots, catch it without having to give up quite as much capital. I think I said it when we were when Craig and I were doing the emergency podcast, though. I really don't expect the Chiefs to take both of these second round picks. I do expect them to move back with one of them. Now, somebody has to be willing to trade up, but I do think they will be very active, maybe even take less than what is fair value to move back. I would, uh, I'd be upset. If they take fair value to move back, I think that so would be really cool. here was my point. This I like the trade for Orlando Brown. I think it's very good. However, the way this team has been built has left way too many glaring holes that need starters, and I don't think you can fill them with just two picks at the end of the second round. This is one of the few times where I'm advocating that a few more swings in the top, you know, 125 picks might actually be better than the earlier picks for the simple fact that there's just still a handful of holes at starters. If you just take two picks in the top 63, you're not going to fill I mean, more than two holes at absolute best. Low case guy 08. With the rumors swirling about players that are moving into the first round, who are five players in the KC Draft Guide's top 30 that will fall out of the first round? Mercy. Ooh. I like this question. Uh, Brevin Jordan is the first guy that Easy. is almost definitely going to fall out. Uh, unfortunately, not having a true combine. Like, we projected Brevin Jordan's athleticism, and guess what? It was not there. It was bad. So, Bre- yeah, Brevin Jordan, 
not wouldn't be this high if, if there was a traditional combine so he's going to be gone i'm going to go ahead and say joe tryon as well like like kent said for the same reasons that he talked about joseph osai kind of falls into that same boat as well a guy that tested really well and had some good tape but there there's just not a ton of edges that people are really buzzing about there at the end of the first round i can see him falling out Landon Dickerson and his medicals. That's definitely a question mark. I can see him falling out. And for number five, let's go. And the other guy, let's go Caleb Farley. Um, I just think the medicals are going to be too much. I really do. And I, I think that teams are going to be a little scared off by him. The talent is undeniable, but he can't. Yeah, he had back surgery after not doing anything after a previous back surgery. I know they keep saying that it's not going to be a big deal and it's not going to affect his play and all that, but NFL teams are gun shy about that sort of stuff. So I can see him falling. Deep seated purple. It seems like the unspoken benefit of the recent trades and additions is the strengthening of the run game. Do you see the run game improving markedly? With the new and improved offensive line, Maddie. Yeah, I think I think it will. I do think that you have got I mean, the entire left side of your offensive line, and this is even with Austin Blythe starting or not, whether you know they find someone they've liked better than him, but the Blythe, Tooney, Orlando Brown trio is a better run blocking group than what the Chiefs fielded the majority of the time last season. The right side will be about the same. If Kyle Long has returned to his healthy quality self, you've also got a better run blocker player at right guard. So you have a lot of options. I think Clyde being in his second year will be seeing the field a little bit better, going a little bit quicker. So I would be quite surprised if the Chiefs run game was not more efficient than last year, probably translating to better, but all at the end of the day, it requires Andy Reid, you know, call run plays, which is a little 70-30 that he will not. Graver Tanner, it seems like an impactful defensive end can only be had in the second round. Are there any edges that can be drafted in the fourth that could contribute in a meaningful way in 2021? Well, this is your conundrum here. You're asking for an instant impact of defensive end position, which I fully understand, but for the Chiefs, that means it's got to be a pass rusher. Mike Dana's plenty capable as a run defender. You can probably get decent run defending reps out of Chris Jones at defensive ends. Like, I think you have guys that can play against the run. So if the Chiefs are looking for an impact edge player, which they need, it's most likely as a pass rusher. And once you get to the fourth round, those guys are just simply gone. So I mean, like, your best bet, a Chauncey Golston, Janarius Robinson, Golston out of Iowa, Robinson out of Florida State, those guys can play on early downs. They'll play the run well. I don't think there's a ton of pass rush upside, but they will be able to get out on the field this year and provide you some level of play, similar to what Mike Dana did last year. But if I just had to throw a complete shot in the dark on a guy that would really help the Chiefs this upcoming year, just purely as a pass rusher, it would fit Steve Spagnolo. Absolutely none from a profile. It makes zero sense. But if they decide to draft Quincy Roche, only use him as a Sam linebacker or just a pure situational pass rusher, I do think he's NFL ready from a technique standpoint. McCallum BK. Okay, guys, this is a six-star review question. Give me your three-player sweetest name draft based entirely upon the coolest sounding football player names and no other criteria. We're each taking one. So let's just let's let's just each take one. 
Boy, I'm glad I get to go first because I take the the best one of them all. Rashad Wild Goose Jr. <laughs> I think it's Rached to make it even better. Oh, I think it is Rashad. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I, but Wild Goose, I mean, what a last name. That That is amazing. Also, he's a really good football player that would be a good slot for Steve Spagnuolo so he can go ahead and come to Kansas City. I mean, I think losing my number one guy kind of hurts, but to counter... I think I mean this is I think this is a very easy number two, and I think there's a very easy number three here as well. So for number two, we're gonna take Divine Diablo because I mean Divine Diablo. <laughs> the the con the contradiction. Uh I think from a football perspective, uh I like Stone Forsyth playing tackle. Can you imagine Mitch Holtz's Stone Forsyth, the stone wall of Kansas City. Like, that is a football name if I've ever heard one. Boy, that sounded like the voice of the Chiefs right there, Kent. Maybe maybe you're the voice of the Chiefs. I don't want that life. Not even a little bit. Jeff Moore, rank these tackle prospects, Maddie Walker Little, Stone Forsyth. The for the stone of wall of Kansas City. Uh T- Prince Tiga Winogu and Lucas Niang. I mean, I, I don't have my grades for Lucas Niang and Prince Tegawanogu pulled up right now, so I'm trying to go off of memory here. But working backwards, I think I would say I had Lucas Niang the lowest, then Stone Forsyth, Walker Little, and I think Prince Tegawanogu might have been first overall there. I will say that I think I like Walker Little purely as a prospect better than the rest of these guys. I just think his grades really hurt by having to watch his true sophomore tape and not getting really any projection or growth, or only having projection and no growth on film. I think it's important to establish immediately after Maddie saying that Prince Tiga Winogu, we don't as we don't take into account injuries on the KC draft guide. We just need to remind you here: the tape is good. The trust in his ability to be a consistent player and be available consistently and have a sustained career is very, very obviously uh, in question because well, I mean, this whole group is a wild process of evaluation did the way we do it because same thing with Walker Little and Prince here is you can't really account for injuries. So you're just having to grade on what you see. So Prince got a high grade. But at the end of the day, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. The NFL knew that. That dropped him down in the draft, and it's resulted in him being on his second team now. Walker Little, I just said, he has no film as he's grown beyond a true sophomore. Stone Forsythe can't run block to save his life. But how much does that matter? I mean, to me, that matters a lot less being able to protect the passer. And then Lucas Niang, half of his final season was spent with a bad hip in which he was like duck waddling backwards to try to pass protect. So like, what do you do with all these guys? There's all of these guys have a caveat next to their projection, I think, going forward. So you do have to take it all with a little bit of a grain of salt. Moff 2008, would you take Nico Collins in the second round? Yeah, sure. I would get exactly why the Chiefs would take a Nico Collins in the second round. His athletic profile is absurd. That's a big swing and a guy that would be put in a perfect situation to have success here. I mean, I... I'm really fascinated the Chiefs haven't done a ton at wide receiver in the draft. And I'm curious recently, and I'm curious why, you know, because I I would love to get swings at the wide receiver position with the best player in the world. 
That's just my opinion. Doyle asks, what wide receivers do you think will be around at pick 58? I mean, Nico Collins is one of them. I think Amon Ross St. Brown uh, is also a guy that should be thrown into that mix there. Obviously, you hope a receiver like Diami Brown falls to the point where the Chiefs could take him at 58. Some of the other guys that have kind of been mentioned in that in that range tend to be smaller, quick guys instead of bigger guys. Kent's got a name. What do, who you got? Did buddy? you hear Brett Veach accidentally say Tylen when he was talking about Tyron? Did and I was yes, I was going to talk about that. <laughs> Tylen, Tylen probably is. I don't think that Tylen should probably be taken over a lot of those guys that I mentioned just from an athletic standpoint. He's going to probably struggle a little bit to create some separation. Now, me personally, I would take Tylen there and I would be ecstatic because I want Tylen Wallace on my team because I want to watch him punk cornerbacks on a week-to-week basis. But I'm not sure that he is enough of an athlete for an NFL team to really kind of consider him at 58. Can I pose a philosophical question for you guys here? Um, yes. If the Chiefs are willing to draft a wide receiver in round two, do we think that says anything about, you know, them not loving the receivers on their current roster? Do you think, if if that's true, do you think they would be willing to draft another smaller slot type wide receiver with the thoughts of moving on from McCole Hardman earlier rather than later, rather than just looking for an X. Like if they're willing to invest this early again, that should mean McCole Hardman's on notice. Would they be drafting a guy that plays a similar role if they were willing to go this route? I think that's very much in the realm of possibility that that happens, especially since value could fall. You know, what if Kadarius Tony falls because of medical or not medical, uh, character that's a guy that they take a swing on they have a lot of manufactured touches i'm gonna come all the way around on Kadarius tony now too <laughs> a 58 i mean a 58 that's good. imagine yeah. either one of the moors though oh like, i know I, yeah that's what i, was I say. like Rondell them better Moore. than tony I, oh I elijah like both oh, elijah, elijah or tony would or be Rondell. sick i mean so if you're willing to invest in a wide receiver that early if that means you are not happy with what you've gotten out of McCole Hardman and you're not only looking for an X, that would be just another way they could go. And I think that opens up the pool of wide receivers you could take a lot. It does. It does. But I'm, I'm looking for that X. I, I prefer I'm, it I'm looking for... Yeah, I mean, the thing I'm is, like, yeah, you can go bigger. grab one of those guys, but you also still need an X again. Like, you yeah. still need that guy. Uh, Byron he's st- Pringle, baby. No. Byron oh. Pringle has... Ugh, I'm sorry. I know, I know that Brett Veach was glowing about him in the presser this week, but Look, my guy, I I like Byron Pringle, but he has zero spatial awareness. The front kick returns. Well, it's str- running a That's, straight line. Yeah. Just run hard, run fast. Oh, it holds there. Cool, I go. He's still talking. Post, uh, what's the post Orlando Brown offseason grade, Maddie? I think I'm sitting at a solid B minus now, and that might sound kind of low, but I do want to come across here very clear. I don't like paying a guard tackle money. That is a problem for me. I don't like doing that. I also think the Chiefs had a lot of money available that they haven't spent. Orlando Brown's not really going to eat into that. There was a lot more chances to make the team better. I understand they got caught chasing after Trent Williams, maybe lost out on some stuff. Juju Smith-Schuster went and chose somebody else. But closing is part of the sales pitch. You can't just get credit for selling. You actually have to finish the sell. 
They haven't done it. So I think B minus. That's still like that's better than average. They had a, a good enough offseason. A really good draft will help this go a long way. But I do think overpaying a guard, no matter how good he is, it's still overpaying a guard and then missing out on other improvements to help open up the draft can make it a B minus for me. I mean, we just got done talking about wide receivers, the last two questions, and trying to target guys that are going to help the Chiefs immediately. If they land one of the wide receivers, because they weren't interested in two or three of them there, if they land one of those guys, they can try and find value, and they don't have to try and reach and find a guy. So, I mean, it is a situation where I, I can't give it a super high grade because of that. Yes, Orlando Brown Jr. is great, and I love that they're going to have club control of him for the next several years, and I'm fine based on what everything else and the players that the Chiefs are probably going to get I'm fine with spending those assets on Orlando Brown Jr. and giving him the opportunity to play left tackle, but missing on corner, missing on edge, missing on wide receiver, you make yourself a lot more tied to specific positions in the draft rather than being able to catch value, and I, I don't necessarily love that. So I, I'm probably a B-minus as well. I am too. Uh, what a lame answer we all just gave. Uh, I know, I know, but it. I think that's, and I think there's a chance that it can, you know, be a B if if they do get some players here in the draft. But I think there's a lot of question marks on this football team. There's more question mark marks on this football team entering the draft than they've had in the last three years. And they're, you know, I I think they're paying for the sins of the 2018 draft because I mean it, it would be nice to have an edge right now. Uh, it'd be nice to have a linebacker right now, but that's not an excuse. Um. I you know I don't think that they've addressed every single issue on this football team. There's still time, but I think they actually need they need draft picks to hit and they need draft picks to contribute immediately. And with a limited amount of draft capital, that becomes a little bit more challenging to try to um, you know you're you're hoping second round picks are ready immediately, uh, and that'll be interesting to see. AJ Reina too. Does the McCole Hardman pick over DK Metcalf still haunt you guys as much as it does me? No. Let me explain. I don't think it's fair to compare the McCole Hardman over DK Metcalf. Yes, I want DK Metcalf. I wanted DK Metcalf. A certain draft guide might have had DK Metcalf in the top 10. However, I don't think it's fair. We can do this with every single failed draft pick under the sun if we really want to, if we just apples to apples compare a bad pick with a good player. And I don't think that's fair. I think that's a very, like, obviously I want, I want DK, DK. Obviously I would like, we would have taken DK. We all wanted DK, but there's, there's more context than that in a draft room. And I don't love comparing one play. I mean, we can. It doesn't have to be the second round. It could be the third and fourth. We can. We can look at every player after McColl and have the same conversation, really, if we really wanted to. So that's just. I don't know. I think it's entirely fair to critique a pick. I don't like the McColl Hardman pick. I think it stunk. I think they reached two rounds. Like they reached two rounds high for Breland Speaks. But I don't. I don't. I want DK, but I don't want to completely just apples to apples it entirely. I don't think that's fair. Beached Whale, why is cover linebacker not a more pressing need in the eyes of Chiefs draft Twitter? We have depth at interior offensive line and wide receiver too. Do we even know who our starting nickel linebackers are? Do we like them? 
I, I, okay. I'm, I'm going to start with, I'm not sure what the depth of wide receiver two is. It's obviously he's, he's just very high on Byron Pringle, I guess. Um, I, I do think the nickel linebackers next year are going to be Willie Gay Jr. and Anthony Hitchens. Last year, they wore Anthony Hitchens and Damian Wilson. I think that's an upgrade over what the Chiefs have gotten. Now, a coverage linebacker has been needed on this team for a long time. I've been pounding the table for it for a long time. Steve Spagnolo does not view them the same way that he views you know, run-stopping linebackers. He wants that level to be able to stop the run, and he would much rather just pull those guys off the field and play safeties over them because the safety is going to be the better coverage player. Now, obviously, a special talent that can do both is ideal, but those special talents typically go early in round one or guys that are, you know, a little bit more raw that you've got to train up. And so a lot of times when you know, draft Twitter and things like that are looking at linebackers and coverage linebackers. They're not looking at it specifically as, okay, where are the pockets for that? They're, they're doing the drafts and they're getting to those picks and they're looking at the guys that are available and they're all run stuffers. And so they don't pick them. So it's not necessarily on everybody's mind in the same way that some of these other positions that frankly are a little more impactful, uh, you know, are so, coverage linebacker is a need it's hard to get them and it's really hard to find guys at the spots that the chiefs will be picking when they've got some of the other needs like offensive tackle and edge that they need bodies in i don't want ben neiman out there any more than any of the rest of you want him out there but you're also not going to be able to make significant upgrades over him unless you spend a high asset on that pick and even at 58, I don't see a whole lot of guys that are going to fit into that mold. All right, that is going to do it for the AP Laboratory Mailbag. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back with the draft show uh, on Wednesday. We'll be back with all kinds of draft coverage during the draft. Uh, we're we're going to be doing a lot this last final week here at Arrowhead Pride. Thank you guys so much. We'll catch you later. Love you guys. Let's get into some bourbon. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.